Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. And on today's episode, I'm excited to be joined by Steve Murphy, who is the CEO at Epicor. So Steve, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Max. It's great to be here and I look forward to talking to you a bit about Epicor and ERP software and uh, I think we're having a good time. Excellent. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to getting to today's topic. Before we delve into the questions and the meat of the matter, would you mind just giving our listeners at home a little bit of background on yourself and Epicor? You bet. So um, I think at heart, I'm an engineer and I am the CEO of Epicor Software. I've been here about four years and we specialize in ERP, enterprise resource planning software, primarily for companies that manufacture distribute or sell a hard good, something like a, an automotive part or something you'd see in a hardware store. It could be something you might buy from a home improvement store or a lumberyard, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Perfect stuff. And you're the perfect man to be speaking to because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is <laughs> enterprise resource planning. So I wanted okay. to kick off the show by kind of asking from you to give us an overview of really what enterprise resource planning is and how it works to better businesses. Yep, can do. So I think that the, the two parts of it, the R is for resources and P is planning. So when you think about um, what software can do these days, it's in many cases automate the accounting for a company that's selling a product or selling a service. And what we try to do is make that as simple as possible, whether it be a retail store or a warehouse that distributes the product or a factory that makes anything from cars to an axle assembly so that you can keep track of what did you make? How much did you sell it for? How much do you need to buy to replenish your stock? And then have the layer of reports to make better decisions going forward. And it could be anything from a little shop, a little hardware store with two or three employees up to a factory with thousands and thousands of employees. And I think that that, that back office accounting, for the most part, has been automated at this point in time. And the software does make it easier to manage the business. And if I had to, you know, 60 second elevator pitch, I think that's about what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect explanation. So let's dig in a little bit deeper then of what this actually is and the deployment kind of side of it, because there's three main methods in which the ERP systems can be deployed. So just walk us through what the similarities and differences are between each one of those. Yep, you bet. Great question, Max. I think that the, um, the the reason there are three differences, and let me talk a little bit about what they are, is is that how much technology has changed over the last well, most of the last 10 years with the ability to access high-end, high-strength computers from far away over a network. But the most traditional route is on-site. In other words, you buy computers and servers because the software is not trivial. It's a pretty significant set of code that runs in this software. So you put those servers on-site. It could be in your plant, in your warehouse, or in your, your retail store. You install the software. You we, we would actually do it for you. And then you've actually got the physical instantiation of the software running for you to access an upgrade and version and you own it and control it and you've got a license to it that's that's the simplest way that people tend to run the software what's happened what you hear about now is the cloud you can also run the software in the cloud if you really want to break it down it means it can be installed somewhere else somewhere very far away it could be 
thousands of miles away or across an ocean, as long as there's not a lot of latency in the communication between where you install that software and where you're actually going to use it. When you're using it, you could use it with your Android or your iPhone or your notebook or your tablet, so long as you have probably a Wi-Fi connection or Bluetooth, and that's in the cloud. Now, the cloud has, we talked maybe a little later about that, but there are two flavors of the cloud. There's private cloud and there's public cloud. And before you scratch your head and get confused, it's, it's kind of simple. Private cloud would mean Epicor runs the software in one of our actual data centers that we own. Public would mean it's probably with either Amazon Web Services or Azure, which is Microsoft, and one of their data centers amongst many other customers that are running that. Those are the three flavors. And without going any further, you might have a question or two or you want me to go a little more deeply into what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it's always a good idea because, you know, we, we talk about these services a lot. And for me, myself, I, I do a lot of these kind of cloud-based podcasts. But when it comes to the ERP implementation, a lot of listeners who are looking at Epicor or looking at kind of uh, an ERP solution might get a little bit confused as to how that cloud kind of fits into it. So maybe if you could just give us a breakdown of, of those kind of different areas and, and why that's beneficial. Yep, you bet. I think the biggest question you would ask yourself if you're thinking about the implementation is, do I want to have or do I have the capability to have the servers on site? Because if that sounds like a big headache and something you don't want to do, then running it in the cloud is probably easier. And then the second point would be, do I understand the contracting around running it in the cloud versus having it on site? In other words, it's kind of like leasing versus buying a car. If you lease a car, in some sense, it's more simple because you have the lease and then you pay that lease per month probably for three years, four years, and then when you're done, they take the car back. You don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything. With a cloud arrangement or a subscription, it's very similar in that you can agree to well, 40, 50, 60 months, 36 months, and at the end of that term, you can not continue to use the software if you don't want to. You might choose to, but you don't owe them anything and they don't owe you anything. Whereas if you buy it, you own it forever. You have to pay maintenance every year to maintain it. And if you, you've done it that way, you also own the servers forever. So it's really um, a degree of permanence if you go with it on site. And I think that's one of the reasons people really like the cloud, because they can subscribe to the software, the service itself, without having to buy anything that they have to get rid of at some point in time. And they can subscribe as long as they want or as little as they want. That's the biggest difference, I think, when you think about a business decision. Yeah, exactly. You're not running risks of um, software becoming obsolete or legacy-based. It, it's something that can remain current and something that you can keep updating and really stay on top of and manage. That, that's right. And I think that on, on that thread, if you pull that one a little bit, what you find is that most businesses don't do a great job of keeping the software current. So as a software company, we'll do a release once or twice a year, to your point. And there could be a feature and function function in the software that you as a customer might really like. You might get a tremendous amount of value out of it, and you might never know because you don't update or patch. Whereas if it's running in the cloud, we automatically will update and patch. It's always current. And you might find, hey, I really wanted this, this goal seek capability for a spreadsheet and accounting to forecast unit co consumption at the hardware store or whatever it was. Well, you got it now, and we'll probably even send you a prompt that says, push this button and we'll demonstrate how to use it. So I think that's a big part of why people like running it in the cloud. 
There's a a lot of benefits and there's a lot of kind of pros for for definitely taking that route. And it it just kind of makes sense when we're having this ERP conversation. And there's another thing I want to talk about if we're in this kind of deployment discussion is there's, there's a word that comes up and that's change or words, I should say, change management. So what is change management and why is it so important to the process? Yeah, change management really has to do with human beings having to adapt to a new system or a new process. So if you think about engineers like me, we often will say, well, here's the system. It works great. It's perfect. We've put it in. uh, Job's done. And we kind of leave. Well, if the human beings, the people that have to adapt to that process, uh, learn something, for instance, maybe go into a new screen or understand how to access a report, if you don't manage that process for the people Typically, these projects will fail. So I think that, that that's something where senior management needs to take a step, you know, whoever's implementing the project needs to take a step back and think about how is this going to change the way people work? How is it going to change what they need to know to do their job every day? How is it going to change the way they feel about working here? Is there something that it's going to take away that was part of their job that they really made them feel unique or, or value add that we no longer do? And we do see that when people ignore that, there's a big price to be paid. So change management really is taking into account the the people and the human factors associated with adapting to a new system so that they're able to use it and get the value out of it and not feel like they're being used by it. And I think that's that's the way I view change management. And it's it's a entire practice into itself within many of the big consultancies, change management. Yeah, and it's such an important element as well for kind of being able to utilize stuff correctly and really drive that change forward. So it, it's it's definitely imperative for, for people who are utilizing this. And I, I feel like if people, you know, listening to this and we're pricking up some ears of people who are going, okay, this is starting to sound like something that I should be looking out for for my organization. We've spoken about, obviously, what the deployment methods are, the, the methods and the models, um, the cloud implementation of it. But we'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what are the challenges that comes with doing this implementation of ERP? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest challenge uh, for most folks is keeping the scope of the project on target. So in other words, the best example I could give you is when you decide to use one of these systems, there are many things they could do for you. And many users will want to um, customize or configure to do, do exactly what they want. But in many cases, for instance, you can give everybody a cupcake with pink frosting. But if in addition to that, they want sprinkles on top of that, you might not be able to do it. So I think that the big challenge is make sure the system does everything the users need it to do. But don't add so much functionality that you burden it with things that are kind of nice to have that really complicate the implementation. And if you think about, Max, what that means, with this kind of software, part of the issue is there's a requirement. And that requirement may, may require that you understand inventory or a bill of material or something really complicated about a business in the implementation and all the data. And if you overburden that, you can occasionally fail at the implementation. So I, th- I think that's it. Keep it as simple as you can to meet the user needs without overcomplicating it, but not so simple that your users are disappointed and it doesn't do what they wanted it to do. That's probably the biggest point of failure I see. Okay, then. So so how do you how would you manage those expectations? Is it to the person that you originally comes with the implementation idea? Whose responsibility does that fall upon to, to really understand how this can benefit the organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's largely a team effort. So when I say that, I think that you've got to have both 
the us, Epicor, the company implementing the software, plus the customer, and it really happens up front. In other words, if in the first meeting or two where senior management is involved, we say, hey, this is a risk, scope creep. And when I say scope creep, it means doing more than we need to do to the point where we start to really dilute the quality of the project. We're probably going to be successful if we take that into account early. And everybody's got to have, when I say scope, it's got to be a clearly set, uh, written set of requirements where there's no confusion over what does success look like. If that happens early in the process, high degree of success, and the other part of it is, it can't just be me, you know, Epicor telling you how to do it. It's really got to be consensus. It's got to be one where the customer says, yeah, we get it. We're going to have to say no every once in a while with when the user asks for something that we don't need. And where the biggest source of failure, Max, that I see would be the, the customer on site, the client site, they literally won't say no to anything. And because of that, they don't know when the project's done and it just keeps going and going. Yeah, and that's a, a huge detriment, not only to say, for example, if you were producing it or implementing it, but also the company that uh, that is taking it as well. So I think it's that management of expectations, which is a conversation that we, we come back to frequently of just understanding what's best for your business and how to properly kind of make it work within your remit, because it's not a one size fits all with a lot of this stuff. It's got to be good for that business. And before we wrap up here, I just wanted to check whether, Steve, if you had any last minute of advice for people who are listening to our conversation and going, okay, ERP, this is something that I need to be looking at. We're at the start of the year. How do I get involved? Yeah, I think that everybody's got a difficult problem that they're dealing with as far as operational issues. And if if, if you've got a difficult, difficult problem, whether it be for the businesses we're talking about, it could be forecasting demand, it could be replenishing inventory, it could be your customer service isn't nearly as good as it needs to be. ERP is probably a system that could really help. And my only advice would be pick that toughest problem or two and really try to, try to put pencil to paper on how you think process-wise you think it could be improved. And then you really need to expect the vendor, whether it's us or somebody else, whoever it is, to be able to solve that tough, tough problem with the system and to demonstrate that you're going to be able to, they're going to be able to do that for you. And if they can do that, then ERP is probably a good fit. You'll get your money worth. That's the place I would start. And I think people are really disappointed if they don't get that tough issue. They get a bunch of other stuff they didn't need, but the thing they really needed isn't solved by ERP. It should be able to do that. And I think that's a reasonable expectation. Customers should be thrilled with the system when it's done, when it's implemented. And if they're not, they're, you know, they probably made a bad investment. Yeah, I think that's some excellent advice of, of expectations. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on today's episode and walking us through all things ERP. Hey, Max, thanks. Really appreciate it. No worries at all. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to tune into this episode. We do hope you took a lot away. And if you want more information on what we've discussed, then please head on over to epicor.com. They've got some fantastic resources that might be able to answer some of your questions. We'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Experts series. Until then, please join the conversation at EM360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. <laughs>